Our scripture reading for today comes from the prophet Isaiah. A shoot shall come out from the stock of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall lie down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the, weaning, the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. On that day, the root, of Jesse, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God, we give you thanks for your ancient wisdom, a source of guidance for our lives. Help us in these ancient words to renew our faith. May we ask what they mean for us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I wonder how many of you have had this experience I've had more and more recently. Someone is laying on the horn in traffic that is all but regular. Someone's yelling at a clerk in the grocery store line, at a restaurant server, at a school employee. And you witness these things and you think to yourself, wow, people are angry. Maybe the person I'm describing has at times been you. Maybe you have noticed you're more short-tempered than you once were with your children or with your coworkers. Maybe what you're experiencing is not so much anger as some other feeling, discouragement or exhaustion. The feeling of, is this or that really even worth the effort? People are angry and anxious and disillusioned about plenty of things. Politics, climate change, COVID, inflation, disputes with your family. 
The symptoms and signs of it are many. Levels of addiction and depression and anxiety and suicide that are in the rise throughout the culture and in many of our own homes. Others of us are dismayed by crises of injustice taking place all over. Interruptions in the global food supply, the ongoing refugee crisis, or more local problems like the rising costs of housing. I could go on, of course, for a long time. It is enough to make anyone feel overwhelmed. What can one do? Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Have hope for the coming Messiah. These are the words of Advent. But what do they mean? What are we expecting that Jesus will do? What do we hope for? Well, in light of all there is to be concerned about, these are questions that I think need to have answers. They need to have answers. And in the next three weeks, I'm going to focus on questions like these in my Advent series. And to start that journey today, we're going to look at Scripture through a wide lens, going first to the age of the Old Testament prophets. We're going to look at the story of Advent through their eyes. What did people expect of a Savior in those days? And what does that tell us about the troubles that we face? We'll begin by looking at these broad social questions this week, and then next week and the week after, we'll narrow the lens and look at more personal and spiritual meanings of the coming of Christ. One of the things that always happens during Advent is that we read Old Testament scriptures that look forward to the coming of the Messiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Comfort, comfort ye my people. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These are the scriptures we hear in December on Sundays and at church on Christmas Eve. What do they mean? Messiah, in Hebrew, means anointed one or savior. And for the Israelites, salvation. The idea of a savior was not really about the afterlife. Instead, the hopes for a Messiah were largely rooted in everyday social and political realities. To understand what we might expect from Jesus today, we must first take some time to ask what they expected back then. As we turn to today's scripture, which you heard read moments ago, I invite you to imagine this. A time very long ago in a faraway place, but that may bear some real resemblance to our own time in this. People were angry. And they were anxious and despondent and discouraged by the social and political the year was 733 B.C. If you remember back to this past summer's Understanding the Bible series, this is the period in the history of Israel when the northern kingdom of Israel falls to the Assyrians. 
The Northern Kingdom is embroiled in a horrible war as rebels revolt against the growing power of the Assyrian Empire. They call upon King Ahaz in the south to help, and he makes a horrible political miscalculation which results in the fall of the Northern Kingdom. No thanks to this collapsing social fabric and poor political leadership that will continue, the same fate meets the southern kingdom of Judah, and the city of Jerusalem will fall a century later to the Babylonian Empire. We are entering into one of the darkest times in the history of Israel. So these people are living in the midst of all of the nasty realities that accompany war. The anxiety of sending your children off to fight or going there yourself. Interruptions in the food supply. The fear of what will happen if it doesn't go well for your side. The tragic realities that arrive when that happens. And there are personal sufferings that accompany these social ones. Just as in our culture, COVID has left in its wake a tidal wave of mental brokenness, we have to imagine that back in the ancient, ancient world, people felt their own personal pains that came with a life lived in a time of social crisis. This is the context of those words you heard from Isaiah 11. It is a dream, a dream we are hearing about that maybe, just maybe, things will get better. Times are hard, but redemption is at hand. There is hope and expectation for the future. A king will come who will not form bad political alliances for his own advancement, but who will reign with justice and righteousness, and will usher in a new age of peace and prosperity. A new king, in the lineage of the great King David, who was the son of his father Jesse, and he would lead the people Israel. That is the context. Now listen to the lesson again. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge for the poor and decide with equity for the oppressed of the earth. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. The hoped-for Messiah would restore the kingdom 
And in the second part of the passage, the part about the vision with the animals, not only is the kingdom of Israel involved in this, but the whole of creation is restored to a vision like what we saw in the Garden of Eden. The peaceable kingdom. That's what it's called. The peaceable kingdom. Here's your homework for today if you choose. Go home and look up Edward Hicks. Edward Hicks, he was an early American Quaker minister and an accomplished artist. One of his paintings is on the screens in front of you right now. Edward Hicks was one of the most important American folk artists, and he painted Isaiah 11 more than 100 times. One of the most pressing questions in Hicks's time was how Native Americans and European colonists would live together. We know, of course, that horrible violence and injustice became the dominant narrative. But many, including Hicks and his fellow pacifist Quakers, committed to try to do it right. Edward Hicks' paintings of the peaceable kingdom look at that world through the eyes of Isaiah 11. And so you see the gathering of the wolf that will live with the lamb featured in the foreground. And in the background, you see the signing of the treaty between William Penn and the Native Americans. The peaceable kingdom did not work out between the colonists and Native Americans. And the progression of Hicks' paintings tells the tale. Over time, Hicks grew increasingly discouraged by the conflicts of his time, and he began to make the predators in his paintings more ferocious. I'm going to show you a second picture now. In this one later painting, Jesus actively restrains a ferocious lion, holding it back by its mane from devouring the calf. Feeling discouraged about the conflicts of his time. That was Edward Hicks. I wonder if anyone resonates with that feeling. Likewise, in ancient Israel, the conflicts of the day were not resolved easily. The passage that we read is from Isaiah chapter 11. That's chapter 11 out of 65 in a long story Isaiah tells. And in that story, things would get worse before they got better. Several more generations would pass before a period of relative peace and stability was restored in Israel. Why does any of this matter for you and for me? Ancient Israel, Edward Hicks, why does any of this matter for you and for me? It matters because Isaiah's dream of a peaceable kingdom did not work out right away. But Isaiah wrote it down anyway. 
and he chose to base his life upon it. When I read Isaiah 11 and I think about the roots of my faith, I know that I am not participating in some naive, otherworldly, and out-of-touch religious tradition. No. I am joining myself in a long line of people who have struggled to have faith and hope in the midst of discouraging times. It is possible. Our tradition teaches us this. It is possible to live in the midst of difficult politics, war and pandemic, economic hardship, anxiety and depression throughout the land and in your own home and still live as people of hope. God forbid, you may even have to endure an argument about one or more of these subjects at Christmas dinner with your cousin. It will be okay. This is what our tradition teaches us. Not that there are no problems or that they will be resolved tomorrow, but in the midst of difficult time, we can live as people of hope and commit ourselves to the peaceable kingdom. When I look forward to Christmas and I ask what I am expecting, my answers begin where the Advent story begins. Not all the way at Bethlehem with Jesus in the manger, but with a people walking in darkness, hoping to see a great light. I believe that we, like them, can still believe in a better day, and in our own personal lives can do our part to seek out the better kingdom we've been promised. So let us take that journey to Bethlehem together to see what hope awaits us there. Amen.